This podcast is sponsored by T&D PowerSkills, creating the standard inline worker training. Job briefings. Someone once said to me that if we could improve our job briefings, we would improve our safety by 60%. Now, I don't know that I exactly agree with that number, nor do I know where it came from, but this I do know. Improved job briefings equals improved safety. Along with that, improved job briefings likely equals improved quality, customer satisfaction, system reliance, and lots of other really beneficial things. So the question then is, how can we improve our job briefings, especially given the challenge of how monotonous they can be and the fact that we do them every day and while no two jobs are the same, a lot of the work we do is similar. In order to improve our job briefings, we need to redefine what their baseline is and a couple of key terms associated with them, especially around who conducts a job briefings and a couple of mentions of the words at least in the OSHA standard relevant to job briefings. So let's start with the baseline of a job brief. And remember when we're talking about baselines and we're talking about compliance, it has to be the starting point and not the end point. One of the greatest challenges I see with job briefings is a lot of the training people get is based on OSHA standard, which is really good, 1910-269 spells out. And it says in there that the employer provides applicable information to the employee in charge who is then responsible for conducting a briefing. And we really need to think about what we mean when we say conducting a briefing. Common misconception is because the standard says employee in charge conducts the briefing, the employee in charge has to do the briefing and be the only one involved in talking during the briefing. Big misconception. The standard also says, and it's exactly right in how it phrases, at least before beginning work and as conditions change. I feel like most of us are probably really good at the at least before beginning work, but maybe not so much as the as conditions change. It should cover at least, and there are five specific things that are mentioned, hazards associated with a job, work procedures involved, special precautions, energy source control, personal protective equipment requirements. Really good list, nothing wrong with that, but at least, it doesn't mean limited to, it means at least. So let's talk about some of these terms and hopefully expand our definitions. First of all, the word conduct. And I think a lot of people go with a definition of something like to direct the course of, to manage or control, maybe to lead or guide. Good definitions of the word conduct. Think about a power line and think about how electricity gets from one point to another through that power line. And think about this definition for the word conduct, to serve as a medium for conveying, to transmit. And I really like that one in terms of job briefing. In other words, the employee in charge, yeah, they're responsible. They've got to make sure that it's done right, but they don't have to be the ones that do it and do all the talking. Rotate the responsibility. Maybe one person handles it Monday, one person handles it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Maybe you have one person that's 
a rigging expert. They do that part of the briefing. Maybe one person's the PPE expert. Maybe you've got an equipment person or a job setup person or a confined space person, depending on what kind of work you do. Maybe you go around and have everybody identify at least one hazard and offer one control method per the hierarchy of controls for that hazard. In other words, get people involved. Let them be involved in making the plan and not just open-ended or very closed-ended questions such as you talk for five, 10 minutes and then say, does everybody understand? They say, yes, you go to work. Get them involved during the briefing. So remember that definition, to serve as a medium for convey, to transmit. One of the challenges that I like to give people, it's a really difficult thing for most people. They fail miserably for their first two or three, four attempts. Uh, they get better at it as they go. And ultimately they find it to be a really, really good exercise, both for themselves and for their team and more importantly for the safety of the job. But it's lead a job briefing by only asking questions. And in doing the caveat to that, obviously you can't get anybody killed or blow something up in the process. But if you lead a job briefing by only asking questions, what that's gonna help you do is improve your communication skills, specifically questioning techniques. And you'll learn to ask questions you know the answer to, questions you don't know the answer to, open versus closed-ended questions, opinion versus fact kind of questions, leading and guiding questions. And it'll, it'll get everybody involved in the job more engaged in the briefing, which will ultimately empower them. And when people feel engaged and empowered, they're gonna feel more a part of the team. You're gonna gain more alignment. It's gonna to start to create culture, do a whole lot of really other good things for you, but it will decidedly improve the job briefings and therefore safety. So that's conduct. We mentioned at least, at least before beginning work and as conditions change throughout the day. Now, what I think is most people believe, and I don't necessarily disagree with them, Given the administrative burden of filling out paperwork and the time associated with a job briefing, it has to be a very, very, very significant change in order for there to be a whole entire another job briefing done. So perhaps we introduce another tool called a two-minute drill. And a two-minute drill, most of the time, doesn't even last two minutes. Call it whatever you want. It's meant to supplement a job briefing. And so decidedly, you need to do another job briefing before work and after what we'll define as any extended delays or significant changes. This two minute drill on the other hand could be after any questions, after any issues come up, after any minor changes or short delays. Now, one of the things that you'll have to do is be very clear about what we mean when we say extended delays versus short delays and what we mean when we say significant changes versus minor changes and be able to give examples of each. That needs to be part of any job briefing program. So the job briefing in the morning is gonna cover the entire scope of the work for the day and give an overview and lay out all the responsibilities and that sort of thing. But then right before we perform a, a, a specific task or we're switching from one structure or one pole to the next, we stop and we hold this two minute drill to make sure that the pre-job briefing covers everything that's going to happen for the next five, 10 minutes, whatever it may be, and to, to make sure the team's still aligned. Typically, those are not documented, so we've relieved the administrative burden. People tend to be a lot more open to those. And while we're talking about tools that can supplement a job briefing, 
a pre-job briefing. We need to talk about a post-job briefing, which is done on job completion at the end of the day or maybe the beginning of the next day, depending on what works best for you and your team. These days, so many safety and training managers are at a loss about how to approach line worker training for their apprentices and journeymen. Things are changing fast, and you need a training solution that has the flexibility to keep up. TND Power Skills is that solution. With 78 in depth video based training units, all designed with the adult learner in mind, TND Power Skills has created a comprehensive line worker training solution. This training ensures that line workers will absorb the info they need through engaging video, detailed workbooks, quizzes, final exams, and our custom essential field performance requirements checklists. Whether your goal is to build an 8,000 hour apprenticeship program, or if you just need refresher training and continuing education, TND Power Skills is the one stop shop for your line worker training needs. To learn more, find us online at tdpowerskills.com. Again, that's tdpowerskills.com. Be sure to use the referral code PODCAST2021 to get an exclusive podcast listener 5% discount. And this is where we get into uh, the fourth principle of human performance says people achieve high levels of performance because of reinforcement, support, and encouragement. In other words, positive reinforcement from their leaders, peers, and subordinates. And this is a chance for us to for sure talk about what could what we could have done better. And we need to do that. And this actually probably should be part of your near miss and near hit reporting program, but that's another topic. So in addition to a discussion about what could we have done better? Were there any hazards we didn't identify? Could we have been more efficient? Were there things that happened that shouldn't have? What does our final product look like? All those sort of things. But how often do we talk about what went right? And I think that's an extraordinarily important part of discussions and will improve ultimately the quality of all your pre-job briefings. Even in, even in a post-job briefing, you could say, hey, as far as the job briefing went, did it cover everything it should have? What was really good about it that we need to continue doing? And what could we have improved upon and how are we gonna do that? Amazing the discussions those will lead to. So don't limit your job briefing program to one form, one item called a pre-job briefing. Make sure it consists of a pre-job briefing, a post-job briefing, and multiple two-minute drills. Conducts at least, held at least, covers at least. And we talked about the five things that are spelled out in the standards, hazards, PPE, those sort of things. Really important to talk about those things. Also super important to talk about what could go wrong. You know, what, what in front of us right now is most likely to hurt or kill somebody and go from there. Absolutely. Needs to be part of a job brief. How about a discussion about what could go right? How about, you know, if it's seven o'clock in the morning, we get off at four o'clock in the afternoon. What would this look like if we did it absolutely perfectly all day? How about a discussion of lessons learned from past events and similar jobs, similar situations? How about incorporating into your job briefing human error, which is something I don't think we talk enough about. I feel like in hazard identification, most folks do a pretty good job 
of identifying physical hazards. I'm working from a height, 30 feet, 40 feet up in the air. I could fall, that could hurt. Uh, this, this line, this, this component, whatever it may be, is energized. That could hurt me. Here's this open trench that somebody could fall in. That could hurt me. Here's this wet floor. Somebody could slip on it. They could get hurt. Physical hazards, whether they be invisible, uh, visible, whether they may change like the weather or whatnot, we do a pretty good job of those things. But how about ourselves in terms of both perception and behavior as hazards? And I don't know necessarily that we do a great job of talking about that sometimes. And examples of what are called error precursors in human performance world from the twin models. Twin stands for task work, individual nature, human nature. Things like time pressure, things like stress, distractions, interruptions. Uh, it's, we have lack of knowledge, can-do attitude for a critical task, personality conflicts, uh, imprecise communication habits, irrecoverable acts, complacency, overconfidence. All these things can and will negatively impact decision-making, which could ultimately hurt somebody especially when they're not identified and mitigated. And so make that part of your discussion. And I really encourage folks to have that twin model of error precursors available. Just show it to your team, your crew, your group, and say, hey, what of this do we have going on today? What are we going to do about it? And so we've talked about what the baseline is for a job brief, what it has to cover who the standard says is responsible, what we mean by conducts, held at least, covers at least. And we've added to that some discussions about what could go right, about human error, having post-job briefings, doing two-minute drills. And another, and we talked a little bit about communication, which is an essential skill for anybody, not only conducting, but involved in a job briefing, specifically questioning techniques and along with that listening. Decidedly, there is a lot of leadership skills in a job brief. But one fundamental skill that everybody needs to be familiar with that's involved in a job briefing, which is pretty much everybody, is the hierarchy of controls and the hazard mitigation process that starts with elimination and ends with PPE. The questions we ask are, does a hazard exist? If yes, our first choice is always to eliminate that hazard. And if we can, we're done. If we can't, then can we eliminate the risk associated with a hazard? And you have to understand the difference between a hazard and a risk. A hazard is anything that could hurt you. Risk is a probability of consequence and exposure and probability. Can we eliminate the risk? After that, and it helps to think of hazards as energy, reduce the energy as much as possible and reduce your exposure as much as possible. That, those things fall in the category of safety by design. That typically has to happen even ahead of a job briefing, two or three weeks, sometimes even a month before a job's done. Things like asking for outages, making sure we have the right kind of equipment, those sort of things. So once we've done all those, unless we have fully eliminated the hazard, in which case we're done, next thing we do is establish defense in depth through a combination of safety devices, administrative controls, warning devices, PPE. We don't just do one of those things, we do all of those things. And this is a critical, critical point of understanding and knowledge that anybody involved in a job briefing needs to have because really to work safely, it boils down to our ability to first identify hazards and second to control hazards. 
and hazards have to be done or controlled and mitigated according to that hierarchy of controls. So in summary, I like to think of job briefings as a form of communication. They really are. Their purpose is to plan the work. They are a work planning tool. That's what they're for. Don't limit them to that. They can be a great culture creation tool, a great team building tool, training, evaluation tool, a whole lot of other improvement tools, a whole lot of things we can do with a job brief if we just don't limit our, our, the purpose of it to being a, just a work planning tool, which it is. Form of communication. Effective communication has to result in mutual understanding, which means there has to be a feedback loop. Make sure that we're not limiting ourselves to just a job briefing, pre-job briefing. Supplement those with post-job briefings, two-minute drills. Fully identify hazards, including human error, and how we ourselves through behavior and perception can become hazards. And then once we've identified those hazards, mitigate them through the hierarchy of control, starting with elimination, ending with PPE. We'll end where we started. Improved job briefings equals improved safety. Please support our sponsors who help us to provide this valuable content to you. To learn more about how TD Power Skills can help you with their proven training solutions, go to tdpowerskills.com. TD Power Skills, creating the standard inline worker training.